0: Uh, we are starting a new series uh, this, uh, this week, and uh, we're going to look at uh, the minor prophet, I don't know if you've read this book lately, uh, uh, Haggai. Now, when I learned the books of the Bible song that my grandmother taught me, the way the rhyme went, it was Haggai, uh, Zechariah, and Malachi, and then I got to seminary and I said that, I'm like, oh, we... You know, I said I said Haggai to somebody, and they're like, "Wait, what? Haggai? It's Haggai." Like, hey, sorry. All right. So we're going to look at the book of Haggai, um, and we're going to look at what Haggai uh, has to say to us today. And I I want you to think about this question: Um, Is, I mean, I know this sounds simple, but is is God's presence the centerpiece of your life? If, someone, if you asked your closest friend, if you asked somebody who knows you on a, on a daily basis, would they characterize you know, your life? Is God's presence the centerpiece of your life? Because ultimately, when you, when you look at the Scriptures, um, that's what we realize, is that all of Scripture pointed us towards this. And uh, we don't know why God, after the fall of man, didn't all of a sudden just show himself in these very personal and existential existentially pleasing ways but uh, he slowly revealed himself he slowly revealed his presence and actually his law and so in the old testament God says you know what I am going to reside with you um, and I'm going to reside with you in the form of a tabernacle and so we, we recognize in Exodus and all throughout the, the Torah uh, that God had to, or God came in the form of, of, of a tabernacle, and more specifically in the Holy of Holies, in the Ark of the Covenant, kind of above, in, and around the Ark of the Covenant. That's where the presence of God was. It was the most holy place. But then um, as the people took the land, God said to uh, David, God said to his, his uh, prophets, look, I don't need to be in a tabernacle, like a tent, a portable tent, because you know what we've done? We have gone in and taken the land. If you've read the Old Testament, you know that the story is taking the land of Israel. And so they went into uh, Jerusalem, established Jerusalem as Zion. So whenever you hear the word Zion, you think Jerusalem. And they built the temple on the Zion Mount, the Mount Zion there. So that is, that is the centerpiece of Jerusalem The centerpiece of Israel or Canaan, and the presence of God was to be the centerpiece of their entire life. And God just said, be faithful to me. And so the people of God would ebb and flow. But it got to the point where where they really were turning from God, and we see this all through the kings. So you have uh, Saul and David, and Solomon actually built the temple, but then you have Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and all of a sudden, this uh, Israel splits into two countries, kind of the north and the south. And then there, it's, this, it's this downward spiral. Until, and I want to show you this map. Until, if you see down here in Judah, uh, Jerusalem, the beginning of this little yellow line, until the Babylonians, the, the Babylon Empire, comes, and what do they do to the, to the temple? They destroy it, and they take all the best and the brightest... All the way to Babylon, you see there, where those two lines are—present-day Iraq, right? Essentially, if you just want to think in terms of you know ge- geography—and so they're sad and they're weeping. And from five eighty-six, five eighty-nine uh, ish to five thirty-eight, the Babylonians are in power. However, and this is where we pick up, um, and I will show you a picture of that. So imagine that you have you have you know you're leaving your land. So let's go let's go to the next slide. This is a, just an artist's rendition of, I guess you can't see it very well, but they're leaving, they're being exiled out of their land, and they're weeping. And this is during, if you've read the Bible, the prophet Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because he is weeping as the people are leaving and being exiled into, ba- into um, present-day Iraq or Babylon there. And in the back, if, you, if it was a little bit brighter, you'll just see the city burning and the temple's burning, so the temple's destroyed. And they think, okay, it's never going to happen. There is no hope. But what do we know? Time goes by. Who defeats the, Bab- uh, the Babylonians? The Persians. King, King Cyrus is there. And he says, you know, King Cyrus says, you know what I'm going to do? Um, we, let's go to our next slide. We have destroyed Babylon. And here's what I'm going to allow you to do. 539. I'm going to, you just follow that green line. I'm going to allow you Israelites to go back. I'm going to allow you to go back. And that's, the st- that's where Haggai comes in. You are allowed to go back to Jerusalem, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to rebuild the temple. Have you ever been in a spot in your life where it was time to rebuild? And God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back and rebuild the city of Jerusalem, starting with the temple and building a wall that, the wall that was destroyed. And I want you to focus on God first before you rebuild your own lives, right? So if God said to us you know what you're going back home but when you rebuild your hometown here's what I want you to do. Make sure my house has number one priority and then worry about your house. And Haggai's watching this, right? He's he's the prophet and he's watching this rebuild. And so this you know uh, Haggai's known as a post-exile a post-exilic prophet. And uh, Cyrus, and ultimately King Darius, who's another Persian king, comes into control. And here's what we read. This is this is roughly 520 BC. So this is roughly about about 18 or 19 years after they come back. And 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 uh, here's where Haggai picks up. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month. The first day, I want you to remember that, first day of the sixth month, and during the Hebrew calendar, this would have been roughly August. So this is roughly 2,499 years ago, roughly. August, right? Okay, that was very funny. Okay. (laughs) The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, to Zerubbabel, say that five times fast, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. So Zerubbabel was like this governor. He was called a satrap or a governor. And to Joshua, son of uh, Jazadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Now think about this, what this really means in your life and in my life. He says, are you really worried about the Lord's house or are you worried about your paneled houses? Are you worried about your mortgage? Are you worried about your, you know, the way, you know, how, how big or, or what it looks like or how it's decorated? You know, houses mean a lot to us. They're they're kind of like a representation of who we are as a family. It means a lot to us, particularly in a upper, you know, upper middle class um, area that we live in. You have planted much, but harvested little. What have you planted? What, I, what have I planned? As I read this, you know, you're... What have I really planted in my life? And what's the harvest of that? You eat, but what? But you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are never warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. If that's not the story, at least at some level of our lives, what do I do? I plant for me and you know what I realize the harvest isn't very much I realize that I eat right but I eat you know with this kind of gluttonous mentality I consume and you know what I have I always end up wanting more you drink but you can never you know have your thirst quenched whatever clothes I buy or whatever eating experience or, or any kind of sensual um, experience I have it just doesn't me you earn all your wages and why it's like your purse it's like your wallet has holes in it it does not last and what he's asking you and he's asking me when you have built your house when you have built your city what do you worry about israel when you come back and you're not in chains anymore you're not you're not in chains in babylon anymore you've come back to, to your hometown, if you got an opportunity to, to do life a second time, if you got an opportunity to rebuild your life right now, he's asking you and asking me, how do you rebuild it? How do you do it? Because is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your you know extravagant homes? And I don't necessarily mean that by the side, but does it take an extravagant amount of your emotional capacity your time your heart the essence of who you are your house and that doesn't just mean the physical part your house can mean everything associated with it and so what we realize is that the harder the harder people worked the harder that you and i i see this all the time when i want things my way what do we have The harder you work, Israel, the harder you work, West Town. the harder you work for yourself, ultimately the less you have. This is the story of the Old Testament. The harder you decide to work and think about you, when you really think about it, at the end of the day, what you ultimately have is less. And God is trying to shake us, you, me, and say, you know what, you need to read the Word because when you read God's Word, you realize how you were designed. So you're worried about your paneled homes. And you know what? Ain't nobody been working on this construction project for 17, 18, 19 years. The Lord is walking by this job site and he says, where are all the carpenters? Where are all the builders? Where are all the bulldozers? And then he walks to your house and my house and he realizes, oh, this is where all the activity is. This is where everybody puts their home. They're worried about panels. I don't know why they use that term in the Bible, but paneled houses. They're you're worried about your stuff. He walks by our homes, and he's and he has this dude Haggai, and he says, Haggai, you know what? I need you to give a hard, hard word, and because you know what, this is why you were exiled in the first place, is because you took your eye off the prize. You don't realize, you know, ultimately what. Is uh, is ultimately is happening? Now, I just I'm going to actually go back to the passage in Haggai, but I want to just show you this. I want to show you one more picture here. This is a rendition of Jerusalem during the time of Jesus. Okay, in the far right, there is where the temple was. Right, and if you see, the entire city is surrounded by this wall. Right. And, and the goal—I mean, obviously—in the time that's all you had uh, to, to protect yourself. That wall needed to be strong, but the temple was the, the, the central point of Jerusalem. It was the most holy point. It was—it was there that was that was going to what have have the spiritual. It was the spiritual engine. That's where it was. So if you think about that, and, and remember, Jesus—he comes over from from the right here, from the east. And he's coming back in. And he, when Jesus comes, when he comes back into his city to take it, he comes in from the east. Remember, in the Garden of Eden, they were banished out of the east. And symbolically, Jesus comes back in from the east saying, I'm coming to, to, to redo Eden. You know that's what I'm doing, right? You remember how Adam and Eve destroyed the garden? Well, and they were banished out the east? I am the Adam, the second Adam that didn't sin. And you know what I can do? I can come back into the east, and you know what? I will rebuild a city. And I need you to know, Jesus is asking you and, and me, what is all this Old Testament temple pointing to? Because there's got to be a point to it. There's got to be some kind of climax of this momentum of the Old Old Testament. Like, okay, there's tabernacle. And they, they, they said, now we're going to build a temple, Right? So just keep that in your brain as we're thinking through this passage. verses verse 7 of what Haggai says. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains, right? Go up into the mountains of Lebanon. Because you know what they have there? And we know this all throughout the Old Testament. They have awesome wood. They have unbelievable timber. And bring down timber and build my house. So that... I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, God is saying, I blew away. Why? Why why did he allow that to happen? Why is this going on, declares the Lord? Because of my house, he says, which remains a ruin. While each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their due, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields, in the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, which is a building block for everything. The olive oil, if you if you go there, you realize that's essential. Uh, that that is an essential, and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. And so he's calling you and me out. Does that hurt and sting at some level? Yes. Because we don't want to look at ourselves. Because you know what? I work hard for myself. And I don't want to look. I don't want Jesus to say, really look in the account. Look in your eternal account and see what you have. It's not much. The more you work for you, the less... That you have. The more you try, you know, to, to take control of things, the less that you have. You know, as a as a, um, I'm coaching again uh, baseball, and I and I realize that more and more. The more that you try, I mean, there's this balance between wanting to develop skill and caring for the kid, right? And, you know, we had our first couple practices, and yesterday, it's only like our second practice. I don't know these boys very well, and uh, I was telling this one boy. Uh, he was when he was up in the batter's box he was almost like this and looking like this and I was trying to tell him like hey bring this you know bring the back foot forward so you're opened up a little bit more so you can you know swivel a little bit more get a little bit more power and he was like and he didn't even realize that he was like this and he was actually moving back and I realized he was scared of the ball like part of this was just his way of making sure he could get out of the way of the ball because he just he had this fear of getting hit by the ball which makes sense but you know, I, I really wanted him to to not have that fear of the ball, right? <laughs> I mean, I was really encouraging him not have to, not have any fear of the ball. So I'm like, hey, you know, and and I I don't realize how I came across, but I'm like, no, you can do it, you got it. No, come on, just move that back foot. And uh, he was like, okay, okay, I will, I will. And he was still nervous, and he didn't hit very well at all. And I'm like, okay, well, I I hope we're okay. And and so I I go through a few more boys and where the batting cage was he was outside of course you can see him because it's just a netting and he just in between we're picking up the balls to throw another round and in between balls he comes up to me he's like "Uh, coach Coach frank um what are you doing this weekend uh well i thought i was you know maybe watching football after this and i don't know maybe we're gonna watch a movie together rent something on demand really okay that's great uh, I'm I'm gonna be going to a uh, sports bar with my father to watch sports. I'm like, great, great, great. It was like this weird interaction, and then he goes, <laughs> and he goes, uh, are you are you doing are you happy? I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, I'm happy. And then I got it. I'm like, oh, dude, this guy thinks I'm mad at him. He like wants to make sure that we're cool. I'm a jerk. Like like you just realized this dude was taking initiation to make sure that we had this like good relationship, because he thought that it was broken after I told him what not to do, right? We get so focused on you know wanting things to be a certain way, we miss it. We miss that your job as a coach is to care for the boys, right? You don't want a kid doing that. That's not a good sign. <laughs> That's a sign that something's gone really wrong, right? That you're thinking about you, man. And I just thought, okay. Because of this, God, because you're not thinking about my house and about my kingdom, you know what? I need, uh, I, I need your heart, and I'm committed to it. And so this is God's heavy and sometimes hard word to our lives. And so th- it says this. So God says that to him. Then Zerubbabel, son of Sh- Shealtiel, <laughs> Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people. Then, they listened to it. Now listen. They, they heard the word of God. Then what? Then the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent them. And, and this is key, the people feared the Lord. Do you fear the Lord? What do we know is the thesis statement for the entire book of Proverbs? Why? I mean, The fear of the Lord is what? This is Proverbs 1, seven: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of being a wise person. But you know what? Idiots, fools despise wisdom and instruction. When you know your place, when you realize you are not God, you don't need to worry about your paneled homes, and you worry about me, he's saying, that is when you become wise. That is when you wisdom is there. But it's so counterintuitive if you're only worried about about self, and the other thing I love is in first Samuel we read this, but Samuel replied this, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? The answer is what to obey to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams man that is beautiful God just says, look just obey me just just Respond to me. Ask or ask what you can do for me. Think about me. When you start thinking about that theme, what, any words of Jesus come up into your brain? Maybe like, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The beauty of it is, then Haggai gets to say this, and this is powerful. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you. He saw that they obeyed and they feared him and he just wanted them, know I am with you. I am ultimately there with you. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shetiel, and governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. Now listen to this. First day of the sixth month, this is the last verse. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the what? On the 24th day of the sixth month. What do we know? Go to the next slide. 23 days. 23 days after Haggai said, this is what the Lord's telling you. You're working on your house, and I want you to work on my house. 23 days after Haggai's first message, they began to rebuild. That, to me, and there they are, all, i mean to, to rebuild the temple that is a, a joyful quick sensitive response 23 days they, they leave their homes and they say you know what we're going to get our house in order here's how we get our house in order we leave our house and we go work on god's house what does all this point us to why would we do this right I mean, why would you go work and build God's temple? What what are the promises of God? I mean, what did they point to in the old in the Old Testament? Here's what we know. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians two nineteen through twenty two. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of His household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. The temple in the Old Testament is pointing to this temple that Paul is talking about. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Why do you worry about the temple? It's the presence of God. Old Testament temple. Here's what we know. Old Testament temple points to Jesus who becomes the chief cornerstone for the New Testament temple. You and me. Is that not awesome? Like, we are to be the new temple of Jesus, of the Spirit of God. And Jesus says, you build on me. If you want to build my house, you start with me, Jesus says, as the chief cornerstone. You cannot build a house without a cornerstone. You cannot build your house without a foundation. I mean, you can, but hey, just just read the old parable, right? Because the winds are going to come. And if you build your house on the sand, we know... What Dorian does to someone who builds their house on the sand, we know what, what you know. What can happen if you don't have the the perfected, eternal, immutable foundation? Your house literally cannot be cannot be blown away. And Jesus says, "You know what? Yes, I am the temple. Yes, I'm going to build myself up uh, in three days. You'll kill me, and in three days I will be built up. But ultimately." Jesus is saying, I talk about myself as a temple, but really what he's saying is I'm the chief cornerstone of the New Testament temple, and that is the church. The people of God. Are we building up, are we building up the, the New Testament temple upon what? Upon Jesus. So where are you? Where are you this morning? Because I tell you what, your belly, right? Your house, your, your drink, um, whatever, your, your pocketbooks, whatever it is about your household that you um, fixate on. That you know when you walk out here, you think, you know what? It's that bill. Or it's this dynamic. Or it's, you know what? I, I have no idea. What Haggai is saying is, I, I could see how you could just worry about your own lives But if you will give your life to me, you know what? Ironically, you will be free. If you will give your marriage to me and you realize you cannot have a good marriage, truly, you cannot have a biblical marriage without building it on the what? On the rock of Jesus. You cannot. It will not work. I mean, you could get through life. You could get through life and stay married, of course, but you won't have what what Christ wants you to have without it built on Him. You can be a decent parent loving and giving but i tell you what if your house if your parenting is not built on what on on the work of jesus you your your kids will know man i am the point i never i mean my parents when they get most excited it's about me when 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 whenever we do anything it, it is really uh, either either my mom you know my dad either just he gets most excited about my mom or my sister or my brother or me. But you know what that communicates? Is you don't get as excited about the Lord. Maybe our house is built on, even though it could be functional human love, it's still temporal. And that's what's been happening. And, and so he says, look, you got another shot. You got another shot to come back and take Jerusalem. If you were to rebuild your house, are you willing to build my house first and to worry about my house, and then you know what's going to happen? Your house will be right. That takes faith. When you think, no, you know what? I don't, uh, you know, this is an add-on. Church is an add-on. My walk with Christ is an add-on. This is what I need to worry about ultimately, and if that's there, he says that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what led them to ruin, and so we are the people Of God and Jesus, what's what's he want us to do? He wants us to build the house of God with Him, with Him as the chief cornerstone. I want to read this last passage to you. This is from the Apostle Paul. Here's what he says By the grace of God, by the grace God has given to me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and something else is building and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of the person's work. You know, when the refiner's fire comes to your life, it's exposed. Your life is exposed. Because it's easy to be great when things are going well, but I want to know what your house is like. I want to know where your, what your foundation is like when you experience real turmoil. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. But yet, will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. And so when Haggai says that the Lord Almighty says, I am with you, that's exactly what Paul is saying. I am with you. If anyone destroys God's temple, what do we know? God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together are what? Are that temple that's what we are all of this points to jesus points to the church and points to our mission where are you what does it mean to come back into your life and finish the job to rebuild well and to finish strong what does it mean to do that we're called so as we look through this obscure book that i'm sure many of us have never even read before i do think it's going to be relevant because I know all of us can relate to our homes. And and what does it mean for us to build up our homes for ourselves versus building up the Lord's home? So where are you? Please make this personal. We are going to walk through this as we think about what is it uh, next, next, uh, next week on Sunday night, I'm going to be talking about kind of the vision that I feel like God has for us and what we want to enter into. And it definitely goes along with this. What does it mean to build our house? On the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done. What does that mean for each one of us? Because, you know, we are God's New Testament temple. How is he building you and me? So let's pray and let's ask.